What is up? Welcome into the Early Edge Combat Edition powered by Sportsline. I'm your host, Alan Bell. The coach is out this week. I'm stepping in his shoes. Although big, we're going to try to fill those in so that he knows that we've got the ship running while he is out. Let's go ahead and bring in my man, Ian Parker, here. We're going to break down two great card fights this weekend. Ian, it's good to see you, buddy. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing all right. Looking for a nice uh, weekend. We got UFC and then Bellator right after in the same day, same night. So a lot of action. And uh, let's get back to our winning ways. You know, last week, obviously, the judges were not friends of ours. Uh, hopefully this week we don't need them and we get it done. Yeah, exactly. The, the judges did us and pretty much everyone else in America no favors uh, last weekend. But you know what? You're right. We can't count on them the same way that the fighters need to approach it. We're going to approach it as well. We're going to handle our business in the octagon and not get to that point. So like Ian said, we're going to break down UFC Vegas 33 as well as Bellator 263. So Ian, let's just go ahead and start in UFC Vegas uh, 33 Saturday uh, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The prelims start 6 p.m. Eastern, the main card at 9 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to just jump right into the first fight of the night. Orion Koski. Minus 150 favorite against Philip Rowe, plus 125 on the money line. Ian, break it down. This first fight, how should we be betting it? I like Orion Kosi here. I really think that his aggressive nature with his striking, he's also going to be the more precise striker. And I think he carries more power. I think Philip Rowe just takes too long to get going. And we know he could take punishment. However, at some point, that's got to stop his striking. He's way too hesitant. And I just think that Kosi is the overall better fighter. If he wants to take this fight to the ground, he can. But we've seen him really rely on his striking. He's finished a lot of fights in the first round. I think he gets it done here. We're going to go with Kosi at the minus 150 number. Yeah, that's solid. You know, for a welterweight bout, you know, Kosi, he's what? 7-0-0 professional record, right? So uh, the, uh, I'm with you on that. Moving to the next fight that we have for on the card. We got Ronnie Lawrence, all right, a bantamweight on the prelims. Ronnie Lawrence, a minus 150 favorite against Trevin Jones, who is the underdog at plus 125. What are you seeing out of this? And what are you seeing out of Ronnie Lawrence here? Well, look, you got a guy in Trevin Jones, and his first fight was getting absolutely dominated, was able to weather the storm, and then he won. Second fight, not too much different, you know, but I think in a guy like Ronnie Lawrence, he's running into someone who is great on the ground, he's great striking, and he's got an endless gas tank. In that last fight we saw at Ronnie Lawrence, he was just nonstop for three rounds, and it was at a scary pace. I don't know many people will be able to keep up with. My only concern from Ronnie Lawrence, and I'm pretty sure he's smart enough to correct this, was that because of how confident he was on the ground. He was willing to put himself in compromising positions where he was able to get out of it really quick. Jones is a strong athlete. So I think Lawrence is going to really stick to the striking here. And if he does grapple, stay on top and play it safe. We like Ronnie Lawrence. Nice. Now moving to uh, the women's side of the fight, we've got a straw white uh, bout on the preliminary card. We're looking at Ashley Yoder again, a minus 150 favorite against Genu Frey, a money line uh, underdog of plus 125. So moving to the women's straw weight, what are you seeing out of Ashley Yoder and why should we be jumping all over her uh, in terms of the betting bet? She should be a much heavier favorite here. I'm, I'm very confused by this line, unless there's an injury I'm unaware of. And I'm, with my sources, there is no injury at the moment. So Yoder is the better grappler, the better striker. Maybe on a physical standpoint, Fry might be stronger. But even if she gets her down, she's not going to be able to hold her there. And Yoder has fought way better competition across the board. Now, that's not a knock on Fry. It's just where they're at in their careers. So I fully expect this as a bounce back fight for Yoder. I would have put her at minus 185 based on that alone. Um, as long as she, listen, she can win this fight two ways, keep the distance strike that way, use her kicks, use her jab. Cause she will be the rangier fighter. Or if it goes to the ground, 
take the back or stay on top. If she does get put on her back, which Fry can take her down, she's very active off her back. I don't think Fry can just sit there, um, which is what she will try to do. Yoder wins this one. So, Ian, look, I'm going to bring you into my world real quick, right? And I want you to understand on Saturdays what I deal with every single Saturday. My friends text me, one, they're looking at your picks on Sportsline.com, but two, they love parlays as I do. All right. So they are hitting me up saying, hey, man, could you text Ian? Could you hit up Ian? Like, where should we parlay? What should we do here? So you know what? We're going to answer that question for them, for everyone right here. A three-leg parlay of what you have going across the entire fight card. What do you got? Yeah, so with this parlay, look, you know, these are three of the heavier favorites on the card. And the reason why I'm parlaying them is because I want to get value out of them. I can't bet them straight up. It's too much risk in case something happens. And in case we do lose, again, minimal damage still can rely on the other fights, right? So let's start off with Hafa Garcia versus Chris Grutzenmacher. You know, Garcia is just going to be better everywhere. As long as he can avoid getting taken down, which I think he could, we've seen Grutzenmacher get knocked out. We've seen him be out grappled. You know, the guy is tough. He's just not... I don't think he's at this level. I think Garcia just has too many tools to win. Reason why he's the sizable favorite. Moving on to Nico Montano, the original winner of the Ultimate Fighter in her weight class. You know, she just fought Juliana Pena, who is now fighting for the title. It just shows you either the lack of depth in that division or just if you are at the top, you lose one, you go back to the bottom. She is fighting someone that just, I don't know how her opponent can beat her anywhere. Montano just has to go in there and do what she does. Jab, wrestle, and she will win that fight. So I'm going to leave that one with Nico. I really believe that she has the skills to get that done. Last but not least, Brian Barbarina versus Jason Witt. Listen, Witt's a tough guy. He will come forward with the strikes. However, Barbarina is, he's got a chin made of cement. All right, dude's got striking. He's got a gas tank. He has fought way higher level of competition. He fought a guy in Vincente Luque where he almost won to the last 30 seconds who's now fighting in a title contender fight. Barbarina is going to be the tail end of our parlay and that's how we're going to get to plus 151 there. I love anyone that gets described, you know, as a concrete chin like that, that just Canelo Alvarez type where you could just take a hammer to the face and not oh, even worry about crazy. it. Yeah. Dude. I, yeah. I, I think everybody, like every dude in life wishes they had one of those where you could just take, you could just eat whatever hammer was thrown at you and keep going. So we got two more <laughs> fights. We're going to break down on this card. The next one here, we've got Ronnie Aya, uh, the underdog at plus 110 against Kyung Yoo Ho Kang, the money line favorite at minus 130. This is the co-main event in the Bantamweight. What are you seeing out of this one? And you're going with the underdog here, correct? Yeah, so there's a lot of factors here. Well, not a lot. I'll break it down and give you the cliff note version, right? So Kang is a very exciting fighter, uh, was a nice prospect, talked about a lot. However, his last two fights, split decision wins, all right? And those weren't like questionable. Like literally no one knew who won that fight. So he, and no one skill level of Yaya. On top of that, he has not fought in this COVID climate. 18 months out of the cage. We haven't seen him since 2019, actually, so it's been a little bit longer. Ronnie Yaya also does not fight a ton, but he has fought. This is a guy who is unbelievable on the ground. His strike is good enough to get him inside, and he could take some shots as well. I expect Yaya to be able to close the distance pretty quick. I don't know if Kang has the skill level yet that once he's put on the ground, that if he's going to be able to survive that. So at plus 110, absolutely take Yaya with those grappling skills. So look at our last fight of the night uh, in terms of, you know, the UFC 33 here. Um, my man, Uriah Hall. All right. And I think that this, we talk about value on the show. This looks to be our largest value play of the night. It's the main event middleweight. We got Uriah Hall, <clears throat> excuse me, who is the uh, underdog here at plus 175 against Sean Strickland. 
a heavy favorite, minus 210. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you're going with Uriah Hall here in the underdog. Tell us why. So Uriah Hall, um, high expectations throughout his career. Every time he gets to the big fight, he kind of falls short. It's been more, And it's not because of his skill level. It's because of a mental thing. For some reason, he just can't get past himself when he gets in the cage. He is one of the best strikers in the division, in the UFC in general, and just sometimes just stiffens up, freezes, and can't let it go. But he's been doing better lately. He's with Fortis MMA. He's now the team captain over there, one of the best camps in the country. And he's fighting a guy in Sean, Sean Strickland who kind of plays into his style, you know, Uriah can get off his back. He does have some submissions. He can wrestle a little, but everyone knows him for that high-level kickboxing style, and he is unbelievable at it as long as he doesn't hold back, right? Sean Strickland is a guy who was once kind of a wrestling clinch type of fighter, now is heavy in his boxing. He walks forward. He thinks that he could eat every punch. He's going to take one to give one. But against Uriah Hall, he just can't do that. So styles make fights. Uh, Hall has fought the top guys in the division, Strickland has not fought anyone even in the top 10 yet. So to me, they're really going based on the fact that Strickland has knocked out three guys in a row. But again, three guys that not even top 15. It's a little weird for me here. So value plays all day. This is a value play. This is a guy in Uriah Hall that if he lets himself fight like he can, he gets the win. I'll take that plus 175. Yeah, I love fighting that value, especially in the main event uh, for that one. Now we're going to jump over to Bellator 263. Take a look at this card. Pitbull versus McGee here. So understand this is Saturday as well. It's at the Forum in Los Angeles. Prelim start 6 p.m. Eastern. Main card 9 p.m. Eastern. So you know, you're going to have a lot going on between these two different cards uh, in terms of keeping up, you know, with your best. And we got three uh, solid plays here. Uh, we're going to jump in the first one. Uh, Premis uh, Mamadov, uh, you've got a prop play here on the lightweight bout on the main card. I believe you're going over two and a half rounds at minus 175. Hit us with it, man. What are you seeing here? I see two guys that are both. Okay, strikers, but excellent grapplers, both on the jujitsu side and wrestling side. I, you know, and, but both guys are really known for winning by decision. You know, Primus has had submission wins <clears throat> over lesser competition. You got a guy in Mamedov who is just, I think, will have a lot of top control here. So unless Primus can land and land on top, I think this is a back and forth. I think whoever wins gets this done by decision. You know, sometimes when you have two excellent grapplers, it's just going to be more about control, not about the finish. And Mamedov is making his Bellator debut. There's a lot of hype behind him. Primus has been the champ, has fought the top level guys. So I think this is a closer fight than the odds even say. And I think because of the styles here of both guys primarily being wrestling, grappling based, I like over two and a half. That's beautiful. And looking at uh, the Sanchez Burnell fight, I want to take a look at that one real quick. Uh, yeah. A featherweight bout. It's a co-made event here. Now you've got a play really on the finality of it. Uh, you're going to decision here at minus 165. What are you seeing out of this fight that that's the play on it? Well, a guy in Emmanuel Sanchez outside of his last fight against uh, Freire, who's the champ. He's a very hard guy to finish. Uh, it really never happens, and he usually doesn't get to finish either. He's great on the ground. He's good on the feet. He's got a cardio gas tank for days, and a guy like Mads Burnell has not fought anyone to this level. However, he is an excellent ground specialist too, but in his last fight, he fought someone that not even close to the level of competition is Sanchez. So if he does get on top of Sanchez, I think, again, just like the last fight, this is more of a control thing. you know. So I just I, again, you have two guys. I think it's going to be a very scrappy ground fight who won't be able to finish each other. So because of that, I think whoever wins will go to a decision. So that's what we're going to go with that one. So looking at our last fight uh, at Bellator 263, you know what? 
We talk about value. Let's bring about real value here. All right. The Bellator featherweight world grand prix final bout for the world championship. And am I reading a $1 million prize on this? AJ McKee, uh, Patricio Fieri. Uh, Fieri is the favorite minus 125. McKee, the underdog at plus 105. You're going with the underdog here and AJ McKee, man. Hit us with it. And yeah, a million dollar prize on the line. Is that right? That is correct. You know, listen, Freire has also had to defend his belt every single round to get to the end of this tournament per se. Right. And here, here's my thing. You know, what I've seen out of the champ is in his last fight, he's now relying more on power. He's more relying on other guys to make mistakes. He wasn't as aggressive. He was getting hit by Sanchez, you know, but he landed a power shot. The minute that Sanchez shot in, he locked on a guillotine and that was it. He's not going to have that against AJ McKee. I think McKee is one of those generational fighters. He's like when John Jones first sprung onto the scene, everyone was like, wow, this guy's got something. Let's see as we throw him heavier competition. His last fight against Darren Caldwell, he landed an unreal submission. I don't even think I've ever seen it before. He was so calm, collective. His father's a veteran of the sport. I just think that his size, you know, he's going to be the longer fighter, taller fighter. He's going to have speed on his side here. And he really doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And even if he gets put on his back, he's so active. I think he'll be able to get up. Listen, I can understand that people want to take Freire because he hasn't lost in forever. He's a double champ at minus 125. I just have a weird feeling. He's talking about fighting for a third title if he wins. I don't know if he really is taking McKee that seriously because he's so young. I got a weird feeling McKee takes it here. Like I said, speed. He's got a gas tank. And I think his pressure may be something for Freire you need to watch out for. So let's go with the underdog here. Well, I'll say this. I think you've got a gas tank as well, and you've got these picks uh, in a guillotine choke too. So, man, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for having me on here. Uh, Coach will obviously be back for the next edition of the Early Edge Combat Edition. But, buddy, I've had some fun, man, and I can't wait for the fights on Saturday. Yeah, it's great to uh, to be with you. It's great to be with everybody out there in the Early Edge community. And as Coach would say, you all now have your marching orders. Let's take those straight to the pay window.